0: Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin, two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown, former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson, 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. You heard it right. It's the Players Club. Welcome. Beautiful, gorgeous, late August morning. August almost over. Summer's almost over. Denver Broncos season almost up, almost upon us. Is it technically Raiders week yet? Or is that yeah, next week? Yeah, it's Raiders
1: week, man. When you open the season off with the L.A. or Las Vegas Raiders, your hated rival. Yeah. Team that has had your number for the last couple years with a coach that was here that kind of burnt this thing down. People lost Josh jobs boy. because of it. Josh, Josh. Right? I had anger towards Josh for
0: a while. Like, I was in my mind, like, I hope
1: I see him. I yeah. hope I see Josh McTain. Give on. him a piece of your mind. It, it, maybe even a little more. A little flipper in that run game. <laughs> oh, you know, put that little elbow in there. Throw That's that right. chicken wing in. You know, come off fire. There was a lot of bitterness, man. Hey, I feel you, dog. I it was took a bitter while as heck that. When, the, when the Chargers announced that they are moving to L.A. Yeah, said, what? Well, I didn't come here to live in L.A. Oh, so you were there? when I
0: live in San Diego. You were there when they made that announcement?
1: Yeah, and I walked in the thing and said, hey, can you guys trade me or cut me? You didn't want to live in LA? No, I did not want to live
0: in Why LA. not? Just, uh. So it's not
1: me. 10 million people on top it's, of you. Yeah.
0: At all, um, at all times, everybody angling to take advantage of you. That's not that's
1: something you, you want? So as a kid, you know, growing up in Toronto, we would uh, go up to New York every year right before school would start. We would do back-to-school shopping. Mom would take the bus down, you know, have Greyhound drive all night, get to New York, do a weekend of shopping. And I hated it. Mm. I hated how many people were there. I hated everybody on top of everybody. I hated the public transportation. I, I just, It just wasn't for me. And then when you get to play for the Chargers now, You know, there's only the Padres and the Chargers in San Diego. So you find yourself in L.A. a lot. Yeah. Right. Basketball games, hockey games like that. I found myself going out to L.A. or Anaheim a lot. And I realized within the first year that L.A. wasn't really very similar to New York. Wasn't really a place that I wanted to be. Now, of course, it doesn't snow. That's the only difference. Right. I mean, but at the same time, it just wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, L.A. is where good people go to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if anything, like when you're living in L.A. and you decide you're going to go do something, you're going to go to a certain store and then you're going to go pick this up. 10,000 people have the same idea at the same time. 10,000 people are doing the exact same thing as you at the same time. Wrong. At any hour. At right. any hour. You're never going to find a parking spot. You're never going to find the product you want. You're always going to have to wait in line. You're always going to have somebody looking at you like, Yeah! And you're going to be looking back like, ah! So I feel what you mean on L.A. Um, But Raiders week starts now. It's kind of being obscured, though, by the fact that they're still trying to assemble this roster. There's a lot of finagling going on right now. Um, I just saw something come across the screen that um, Philip Dorsett has been signed by the Denver Broncos.
2: Mm.
0: Is that correct, uh, Dante? By the way, we got Dante behind the glass today. He's sporting a... A rather um, alarming mustache.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a Miami hurricane, if that's true.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I just saw a flash across the screen from um, Jeremy Fowler, mm. NFL insider. So it looks like the Broncos are adding some depth to the receiver room. Look, they're waving guys. They're releasing guys. They're adding guys to practice squ- squads, short-term IR. There's a lot going on right now. We're going to keep you updated and un- unravel this uh, this tightly wound knot for you. But... At the end of our show yesterday in Orlando, we talked a little bit about Trey Lance. Some folks on this station were upset that the Broncos didn't make that trade. A fourth-round pick, the Cowboys gave up to get Trey Lance on their team. You were in the building with that young man. You got to see Coach Shanahan try to implement his system and, and run it through Trey Lance. What were your impressions of him, and do you think we should have brought him in here?
1: Um, you know, Anybody that looks at Trey understands that he's raw, right? He's 23 years old. Could you imagine that your 23-year-old season is going to be your third season in the National Football League? Like this guy, there wasn't a lot of football that was played. Everybody understood that coming out of college. And then you look at kind of his rookie year out there with the 49ers. He breaks, that, breaks the pinky finger on the helmet, has to alter the way that he's throwing the ball all year. That was the year that I was out there, his rookie year. Um, and you could tell immediately that he had not played a lot of football. He had not thrown the football a lot. It was going to take him a, some time to get be able to go through his progression. So for me, you, you, you grab a guy that hasn't played football, and you put him in the most complex system from a quarterback and skill position set. Right, where you have these different concepts and it's about the motions and you could call a play to a two by two side. It could you be in two by two, call a play and it means X. But you could be in three by one, call the same exact play, but it means Y now. It was he was going to struggle. So for me, I just look at a young football player, the Broncos don't have the quarterback position figured out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Russell, yeah. man. Okay. I get that, but there's still other opportunities. We have a new head honchos in town, right? We looked at Sean Payton, how quick it was for him to go in a different direction on a guy like Montrell Washington. That wasn't his guy. He's inheriting Russell Wilson as well. Now, the Broncos have a out next year on Russell Wilson if he's not able to fix it. And until Russell Wilson proves that he has fixed it, I don't know how you don't look at a guy that's 23 years old that's going to be 23 this entire season and people are offering up a fourth-round pick and saying, hey, no. At the quarterback position where when you do figure it out, you haven't figured it out for 15 to 20 years. For me, I definitely would have gave up that fourth-round pick to bring in Trey here. Even... Uh,
0: assuming the risk that it might destabilize the quarterback room and make things less efficient, I mean, do you think competition for Russell Wilson would be a good thing? The pressure of having this guy that you've traded three first round picks to get in San Francisco and coming in here. What type of pressure do you think that would put on Russell? You think that would be a good thing for him? Or do you think it would create some tension in there that didn't end up translating to wins and better offense? I mean, I. I've never been on a team where a quarterback controversy really served us well. Mm. I can't, I can, and it was high school, it was college, it was pros. It always mucked it up a little bit and and uh, created some confusion about who's our leader, what are we doing. It pays to have, or it pays to have offensively, and you know this because Peyton was was there every day, taking every single rep. Yeah, isn't it good to have, to know who your guy is when That's you're in not-
1: offense? It's not a controversy until the quarterback makes it a controversy. So what do you mean by that? I look at Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady, look how long they were trying to, you know, they were literally trying to have a plan for the future with Tom Brady. Right. Right. So they brought in Jacoby Brissett. Okay. Tom's like, kid's not ready. They go spend a second round pick on Jimmy G. Kid's not ready. Tom's still out there showing you that I'm going to go out here and win, right? I look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was in a playoff. In the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers then used a a late first round pick to draft Jordan Love. (laughs) Kid's not ready, so it's not a quarterback controversy until the quarterback creates the controversy. So in 2011, when I got here, Kyle Orton created a controversy out there. Not going through the progressions the right way, not winning football games. You're losing football games. Tebow time. It's Tebow time. You got the, the fan base is ready, right? So the quarterback is the one who creates the controversy. Trey Lance came in here. Nobody's saying, oh, my goodness gracious, we're going to sit Russell Wilson down for Trey Lance. Nobody's you don't saying. think somebody was no, saying. No, Nobody would have been D-back. saying that right at the get-go. Hey, maybe, but, I mean. We got to see him. Got to take a look at Trey Lance. I don't know, man. I mean, I think more people would have been pounding on the table for, like, a Taysom Hill package more than anything right now. Right. Now, Russ goes out there in the first three weeks, looks god-awful. He, well, he created that quarterback controversy now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's an interesting conversation, fascinating, because the Shanahans clearly know how to develop quarterbacks. They have an eye for what the type of quarterback they want. They traded up to get Trey Lance. They gave him an opportunity and decided, nope, you can't operate the offense. We're going to deal you for a fourth-round pick. Uh, Sean Payton maybe cut from the same similar cloth from the Shanahans, at least the way he views quarterbacks. Maybe that has something to do with him not bringing them in. Maybe there's more to it. Um, there's more to it all the time, and the Broncos right now are trying to assemble their 53-man roster. We thought... Based on yesterday, Marquez Calloway, he's on the team. Little Jordan Humphrey, he's on the team as far as the wide receivers go. Those guys have both been waived um, and released, conversely, since then. And the Broncos just signed a new wide receiver that wasn't part of the training camp process here at all. A veteran in the NFL. We'll share that with you next. entry into The Players' Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Yup. Trying to get my mic on. Turn, turn the snare up in my headphones. I can't hear the snare in my headphones. Dante, Alligary, Dante's Inferno. Have you checked it out yet? You have not. You're 24, you never even heard of it, but your name is Dante. I wonder if Sean Payton's ever heard of Dante's Inferno. I bet he has. Right now, the Broncos have their own Inferno going on. Trying to trying to construct this 53-man roster, and it's not easy when you are literally scouring the releases from every single other team. George Payton talked about it a couple of days ago. Where was that, yesterday? He, t- he spoke yesterday. Yeah, 1400 guys he said that we're going through. He said they were going to be there till 5 or 6 in the morning this morning. You wonder if they even left the building. Cuz those Pulled guys are
1: that that thing in, right? You just yesterday you come to work, you got to bring two outfits, right?
0: How what was the latest you ever stayed in at the at the, at the, the, the couch? job, yeah, in San Francisco? Uh,
1: I just slept there. Did you, yeah, did you have your own office good. or were you like Yeah, I had my own office with a oh, futon cool. in it, so They gave everybody futons. Um Sorry. No, my office did not have a futon. My father-in-law's office had a futon in it. That I went in there a couple nights, and I was like, it's 2.30, dude, i got to be back here at 5. (laughs) He's like, go ahead. Yeah, let me just close my eyes right here on this couch for a little bit. Set five alarms, make sure I'm good to go. Yeah, right.
0: So the Broncos pulled an all-nighter, Broncos brass last night, and they're trying to assemble this 53-man roster. The receiver room was one of the most interesting pieces there because of well, the injury to Jerry Judy, which changes the way you have to look at things. He's not going to be available maybe the first couple weeks. But he's not on short-term IR. He's part of your, you know, 53-man uh, roster. And so is Cortland Sutton. So's Marvin Mims. Uh, but who else? Because they let go little Jordan Humphrey, who appeared to have made the team. And they let go um, what are, Marquez Calloway who appeared to have made the team. Well, the news just came down that the Broncos are expected to add Philip Dorsett to their receiver room. Philip Dorsett, a 30-year-old NFL wide receiver, went to the U, Mm -hmm. 92 career games, played in 15 games last year, started two of them, had 20 catches for 257 yards and one touchdown last year for the Houston Texans at the age of 29. His first two years in the NFL, he was with the Colts three years After that, he was with the New England Patriots. And then in 2020, he was out of football. 2021, bounced around a bit. 2022. And actually, worth noting, in 2021... COVID year, right? No, 2020 was a COVID year. He didn't play in that one at all. Mm -hmm. But the 2021 year, he bounced around three teams, Houston, Jacksonville, and Seattle. Mm -hmm. He ended up in Seattle with Russell Wilson for a couple games. So you wonder if Russell's influence at all helped Philip Dorsett get here. But... He doesn't profile like a like a big receiver. He's a 5'10", 192-pound veteran. Yeah, Your initial thoughts on bringing in Philip Dorsett?
1: I think he's a good player in a room where you need a little bit of veteran help, right? I mean, yes, we are excited about the future when we look at a, a, Mar- a, a Marvin Mims, right? But Philip Dorsett's a nice stopgap. Jerry Judy's banged up. Okay, this guy's played a lot of snaps. He's played a lot of reps. Veteran guy. He's communicated with Russell Wilson as well. Right? So Russ could help him get in the right position in order to play right now. But I really like the psychological move of it. And I think this is Sean Payton playing chess as well because guess whose training camp Philip Dorsett was just in? The Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. Played the Las Vegas Raiders here in a couple of weeks as well. That guy, I need your whole playbook, boss. Well, if I'm Sean Payton and Vance Joseph, hey, day one, let's, let's sit down. Before you even meet your teammates, if I'm Vance Joseph, Talk to me about what you guys are doing over there with the Raiders. Talk to me about, like, just the scheme and what you guys are trying to accomplish. Just a little cheat sheet, right? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? So I think that this is, you know, checks off all the box as a stopgap. I don't think Philip Dorsett's going to be here when Jerry Judy's back. I think this is a nice little stopgap for a guy that's played a lot of football. And to gain some information on Josh McDaniel's operation. (laughs) Yes, sir. Do you think,
0: um, wow, that makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense, and
1: man. You know, Nate. That's what I try to do each and every day. Yeah, I try to make
0: sense. <laughs> um. So, so what about guys like Brandon Johnson? You know, who who flashed there in that last preseason game, who impressed coaches? Uh, do you see Philip Dor- Dorsett uh, leapfrogging Brandon Johnson?
1: I mean, no, I don't think Philip Dorsett's going to be active. You right don't even think he'll be up? Yeah, hey, I don't okay. think he'll be up. I think he'll be in street clothes. You know, you walk in, you get the thumbs up or the thumbs down. I think he's getting the thumbs down. I think he's a guy that comes in helps out the roster as well. I mean, who better to run some of the Las Vegas Raiders play than Philip Dorsett to get PS two and all these guys now ready to play against the Las Vegas Raiders. So, so Russell played with Philip
0: Dorsett for a couple games in Seattle. Um, is Sean Payton the type of coach who's asking who's asking Russell Wilson about his input before he's bringing guys in? Do you think he sent a text to Russell who was like, "Hey, man, what do you think of Philip Dorsett? We're thinking of bringing him in."
1: I, I think you would be. I think you, honestly, I hope Sean Payton's not listening. I hope nobody takes offense to this. But I think as a coach, you'd be stupid not to talk to a, a player about a past guy that he's played with. If you're thinking about bringing in Philip Dorsett, he's going to be on the roster, right? I mean, so how so that's, does that that's go? if you respect his opinion. Hey, I, he's the quarterback as well. He's had to throw the ball. Now, you could take his opinion with a grain of salt. It could go in one and air and out the other, but I think you would be stupid not to. What if the guy's a cancer in the locker room? Mm, yeah. What if he's like, just comes in and the reason that year that you were talking about 2021, while he was on three teams, what if he's was just there talking you-know-what about coaches and players, yep. right? Russ would probably know that, have a good sense of that. So I think no matter what, you always ask that question. You play with this guy. What do you think of him? Now, how much you value that person's opinion, I think that person, how he deals with his business on a day-to-day, and, you know, Russ has been able to talk to Sean Payton about certain plays. Has he had success on the plays that Russ has, you know, pounded on the table for and says, Coach, I want this. I want these greatest hits. If he hasn't, maybe you don't listen to him, or his his word doesn't weigh nothing on you when you talk about a guy like Philip Dorsett. But if Russ has gained some credibility – maybe you do look at his opinion on that a situation like that. With,
0: With Albert O gone and Albert O was um, clearly emerged in the last week as a pass-receiving threat, um, and we're going to get into this as we go, but um, the idea was that he wasn't complete enough as a football player to keep around, and I think that's why Sean Payton let him go. But undeniably, you lost a weapon there through the air. Who are Russell's weapons going to be through the air this year? Because you know, Sean Payton likes to air the ball out. Um, every single one of these first three preseason games, he's thrown the ball significantly more times than he's run the ball. He's going to be a throw-first uh, coach, in my opinion. Um, but who's going to be those guys catching the passes? Michael Thomas, 149 catches as a wide receiver for the Saints under Sean Payton. He likes to feed the beast, right? Yeah. He likes to feed the beast. Who's going to be the beast on this team, Orlando?
1: I going. I think we're going to see... To help Cortland Sutton turn back the, the clock, the, the age clock. I think Cortland is going to have a monster year for the Broncos. But then you start mixing in guys like, you know, Marvin Mims. I, I think Marvin Mims is gonna have probably like five, six, those deep shots, take the shot take the top off the defense. Like explosive plays, game changing plays, where you're able to capture the momentum. But Greg Dulce is just going to be running through defenses. Greg E.D. Yeah, D. I mean, and that's ultimately the reason why you didn't keep Alberto on the roster. But Greg Dulce is getting ready to do something special. Like, he, he's going to be the person that Broncos country is, like, lined up around around the corner waiting for autographs for after this season. He's going to be an absolute beast for this offense.
0: Well, sure hope so, because uh, we let Alberto go. We're going to talk about his prospects in, in, in Philly. And why would they? pick him up. Why would a run-first team pick up a dude who can't block? We're going to talk about that as we go also. Uh, CU kicks off tomorrow night. And uh, Darren Sproles says the Chargers coach, Brandon Staley, has to go. We're going to do that and more in the morning (laughs) mixtape. Next.
2: The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. I said CU
0: kicks off tomorrow night. They don't. College football kicks off tomorrow night. I'm a little bit like Ron Burgundy. If you write it on the paper, then I'm going to read it. So, no, CU does not kick off tomorrow night. They kick off Saturday at 10 a.m. on Fox. 20 and a half point underdogs. Here is Coach Pryon talking about the
2: team's pressure. Well, they came here because they wanted it. They came here because they wanted the light, they wanted the smoke, they wanted the attention, they wanted the focus, they wanted the love. I mean, but also you got to understand there's the opposite of that as well, that you got to be willing to accept when you want and desire those things. Um, these kids are ready. We prepare them not just athletically, we prepare them mentally for things and challenges that's going to happen in life as well. So wow. I like
0: what I see on a daily basis. I really do. As a matter of fact, I love these kids. I really do. Orlando is... Is Dion overselling it there? Or are these guys really ready to go? I mean, how they haven't had much time together. These what ninety new guys have been together for a couple months.
1: Are they really prepared for this challenge? I mean, we're fixing to find out. But at the end of the day, that's what college football is right now, Nate. Right? You look at how these NIL deals are, and guys don't really have to sit there. When I was in college, college, I remember like you transferred, you had to sit out a year and then play the following year. Now, you transfer, you're playing right away. So college football is completely different. And these guys are being prepared differently, right? Some of these guys, it's not their first or second team. It might even be, CU you might be their third team in their college career. As long as they have the playing experience, now it's up to these coaches to make sure that these guys are mentally sound and understand the ins and outs of the playbook. When you start off the week, you put the game plan together. You hope to God by Saturday or by Friday in college that, the game plan is done, that these guys know it like the back of their hand, that they took it serious, that they were studying, making sure they're watching film, all these different things. And you hope they go out there on on Saturday and make you proud. So I think they're ready for the pressure. I think they're ready for the big stage of it. You know, when you talk about 80 guys for CU, say a lot of these guys got here after. Like, they, they weren't here come January. They were trickling in. So at that point, you knew that you were playing TCU. You knew that you were opening up with a team that was just playing in the national championship that got embarrassed. So hopefully they're ready for the pressure that's coming with this season because just like you guys are coming, the pressure's coming as well. We're coming, right? Somebody else is
0: coming. So how? I mean, how how competitive can they be if they are lacking talent and size in the trenches? If, are they going to get pushed around? Like you can have all all the DBs and receivers and running backs you want, but if you aren't stout up front and physical up front. These guys are going to get manhandled, are they not? I heard Zach By saying something like two, only two or three starters are over three hundred
1: pounds. Mm. Is that going to be an issue for this team? Well, Aaron Donald, he's not over three hundred pounds, and he goes out there and wrecks havoc, right? I, I got Syracuse versus Colgate this week. That's Syracuse, and they they play a three-three-five defense, <laughs> and their nose tackle. I was shocked when I looked like looked him up on the chart. He is every bit of 5'11, 271 pounds, and he plays nose tackle. Like, like they, at any point, there could be 600 pounds on, you know, 271. But yet this guy has had success. So, you know, you could, you, you can measure a person by their measurements and tangible, but you can't measure that person's heart. So hopefully Dion is, you know, giving them that heart and we come.
0: I love it. I love it. See, you get me excited now. <laughs> All right, Darren Sproles. We've been talking a lot about Darren Sproles because of the success he had uh, under Sean Payne, but he also played for the L.A. Chargers, and he had some interesting things to say about Brandon Staley. I think the Chargers might win the West. You've spent some time with the Chargers. What do you think?
2: No, we're not going to win the West. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Why no. not? Tell me.
1: <laughs> uh, I just feel like it's... They just can't get over the hump. I think it's time It's time for a new
0: coach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do
1: you, you think that's what's holding them back?
0: I do. I do. Uh, sometimes, like with him, the way he be calling plays sometimes, uh, like he playing Madden or something like that. So Darren Sproles thinks uh, Brandon Staley should go, like he's playing Madden. Oh. Mm. Do you, you think that – th- okay, so what – I've been pretty critical of Brandon Staley the last couple years, but I think he sort of rounded into form a little bit last year. Um, Joe Lombardi, who was OC there last year, was the fall guy after the loss in the playoffs against the Jags. They were up 27-7 at halftime. And and after that, uh, the play calling wasn't good. Joe Lombardi got fired. Brandon Staley, though, is he a coach that you think they can get him to the next level?
1: Man. You know, they got Kellen Moore now as the offensive coordinator there. Brandon Staley is a defensive guy. I think he's going to have that defense ready to go. Um, When I look at that Chargers football team, I I look at the decisions made on that coaching staff that has hurt that football team. And last year, Joe Lombardi hurt that football team. There's no way in hell that you should have lost that game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 27-7 27-7 at halftime. Hopefully they have these things corrected. Hopefully they understand that they could run the football. There's a reason why you're playing Austin Eckler, the money that you're playing them, And they're able to put it together. As far as, you know, that team kind of winning the AFC West, no, I still believe that that still goes through KC. But at the same time, I believe the Chargers are a playoff football team. That team's going to go out there and roll out there and win double-digit games. It's too talented of a roster.
0: You think there'll be double-digit wins this season as well? Yes, I do. So where does that
1: put the Broncos? Oh, Wait. I don't have the Broncos winning double digits. Yeah. I have the Broncos, you know, going out there competing their butts off, but the ceiling for me with the Broncos this year is 9-8. and eight. So right just right over 500. How about, the, how about the, Raiders, the Raiders? The Raiders? Well, Jimmy G is going to throw it to the other team once again. You know, so you look at that and how fragile his body has been over the last couple years. I don't even know who their backup quarterback out there is. I I got the Raiders coming in last in the division. So I got Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Do
0: you think the influence of Tom Brady as a minority owner, a guy who's standing out there like, hey, man, giving advice, guys walking out of the locker room, you saw that sound of him being like, hey, go ruin their night. Hmm. Do you think Tom Brady's influence will improve
1: that team? (laughs) Man, Tom Brady's going to be like d Ware, man, the year d Ware was coaching. I know he's a a minority owner, but Tom Brady's going to have other things going on. Yeah, I'm sure that he'll stick his head in there and try to, you know, help Jimmy G through the process. And these guys have been together before. So they can speak a language together that only three people speak. Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, and Jimmy G, right? Because they were all in the same meeting rooms before. But I, I don't think that that influences wins out there. You still got Jimmy G. He's still going to throw it to the defense once again. Raiders are still
0: going to Raider. All right, uh, from the Ramoslaw.com text line, Dulcich is garbage. Albert O is better and more dynamic. How true is that statement, Orlando?
1: I said that yesterday. I said Albert o is the more dynamic player, in my opinion. I said Albert O is the, more, is the better player, in my opinion. I think this coaching staff really looked at where both of these guys are at in their career. Albert O is a one-year rental for Sean Payton. Greg Dosage going in year two, not a lot of coaching last year. Spent a lot of time in, in the tub rehabbing things Ooh. and off the football field. I think this coaching staff looks at Greg Dosage and said, man, we can mold this guy into whatever we want him to be. And maybe that's a all-pro, Pro Bowl tight end that spends a decade here for the Broncos. And if that happens, you got to tip the cap off to a guy like George Payton because he's the one that drafted Greg Dosage. Uh, Devil's advocate
0: here because Alberto, Greg Dulcich do have similar skill sets. Mm -hmm. Greg Dulcich only played in 10 games last year. Missed training camp, missed mini camps, was banged up a lot, hamstring issues. Why not keep Alberto as a contingency plan if Greg Dulcich gets hurt again, which he's proven himself to be relatively, soft tissue-wise, injury prone?
1: Same guy, right? Same guy. How many plays? if, if, If Greg Dulcich doesn't get hurt, how does that work? Does, now, Alberto is right. hanging out all week. Yep. You're just paying him to be there, right? So, you can't do things on if in the National Football League. You only get 46 guys active on game day. You got to do the best thing that you can do each and every week to try to win a football game.
0: Yeah, to be clear, I agree with the move to send Alberto um, packing. They were able to get a sixth round pick for him, giving up a seventh-round pick. Philadelphia takes a flyer on Alberto, and that's, to me, going to be interesting because Philadelphia is the number one running team in the NFL and they're picking up a guy who we all agree can't block so how's that going to work out for them Uh, maybe they have an idea that the only way they can get over the hump and beat the Chiefs because I've talked to coach Shanahan before about the lessons he's learned Mike Shanahan about the lessons he's learned as a coach and he coached in Super Bowl and lost those games before he understood what it takes to win in the Super Bowl and for a coach who makes it to the Super Bowl It's not And loses, it's not enough. They're not like, oh, everything's good. No, like, why didn't we win that game? Why weren't we able to win? Why weren't we able to compete with the Chiefs at that stage? Yes, our running game was good, but maybe we were lacking a dynamic. And what Mike Shanahan told me was that he learned that if you don't have a strong running game in the Super Bowl, you're going to get beat. Mm -hmm. You may get to the Super Bowl on the strength of a passing game, but you get to that game and you can't run the ball, you're going to lose. Maybe the converse is true as well. With the Eagles, they realized they got to the, the big dance and they needed to compete through the air and more effectively to beat the Chiefs. All right, uh, what does Mike Kliss about, think about all this stuff going on? He's been following the cuts, the waves, the, the signings, the injured reserve. Mike Kliss is going to join us next.
2: You've been admitted VIP entry into The
0: Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. All right, we welcome in Mike Cliss joining the show. Mike Kliss is uh, our 9 News Broncos insider on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right, Mike, a lot going on in Broncos country right now. Guys getting cut, guys getting waived, guys getting released, a short-term IR, finagling, all sorts of stuff yep. going on, and we just heard that Philip Dorsett was signed. Give us uh, the details about that, or at least he's, he's thought to uh, be signing soon. Give us the latest with the Broncos.
2: Yeah, I don't know um too much about that other than uh you know, they only left uh three healthy guys on their uh you know, original fifty three uh with Jerry Judy down a couple more weeks. So they had um uh they definitely had some room. He's a veteran. And uh I'm not sure did he put does he have a background with uh I know he was a Colt forever. Does he have a background with Sean Payton? I'm not sure.
0: No, he doesn't. He's got two games with Russell Wilson in Seattle in 2021, <laughs> but uh, nothing with Sean Payton.
2: Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's one move, and so there'll be, um, unfortunately for, for another player, there'll be another cut today.
1: Mike, when you look at just how the fifty three man roster shaped up yesterday for the Denver Broncos, aside from the Albert O News, what was the biggest surprise to you? I it looked like they were pretty heavy at um the safety position and pretty light at outside linebackers to me, but uh what 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 surprised you?
2: Yeah, I mean, um there weren't major surprises. They're only on the uh they're only on the back end of uh each position group. And really, I mean uh, Quinn Bailey and Luke Wattenberg made it, and Kyle Fuller didn't. Is that a surprise? Um, you know, I, I thought they might keep Fuller because he's got the experience, uh, more so than Wattenberg um, as far as uh, a backup center goes. Uh, so um, maybe a, a slight surprise there. Thomas Incombe really didn't come on until the final week of uh, training camp in the in the preseason. They gave him some guaranteed money, though, um, you know, uh, when they signed him. And, um, you know, he was the fifth. They they took him instead of Aaron Patrick, who's a big special teams guy, but he was coming off ACL. So, um, you know, there were minor surprises. You know, other than that, um, I, I think the biggest surprise was that they uh, cut so many receivers, really, to me, was that they only had four receivers and put uh, both Humphrey – and Callaway on the, uh, you know, the the hope is to put him on the practice squad here in a minute, uh, but um, yeah, I was a little surprised. Callaway, I think, uh, had a disappointing uh, camp and a disappointing preseason, and uh, they they were expecting more from him. Humphrey came on late, but apparently, uh, you know, it was kind of like Albert O, too little, too late. So, mm. and then uh, that they took what. In, instead of Maher, um, you know, that's you, you knew that was happening because uh, people who talked to Sean Payton had reported that uh, a week ago. So you knew that was a possibility. Just didn't think Lutz would get uh, cut or they were looking to cut uh, Lutz uh, from the Saints. So um, yeah, th- those were those are it. But I'm a minor side of surprises. Okay, Mike, help me untangle this wide
0: receiver web a little bit because you said Marquez Calloway, Lil' Jordan Humphrey let go. They're just kind of floating out there right now, right? Anybody can pick them up. And what about like Montrell, Washington, Taylor Grimes? Have those guys been signed to the practice squad? Have they assembled the practice squad? Also, and I know there's a lot of questions, but we are waiver yeah. priority number five, right? So there's a lot wow. of moving pieces and, and guys that they're trying to claim and don't know if they are, have access to them yet.
2: How is this going to shape out? Yeah, the waiver, uh, you find out at 10 p.m. so shortly here um, who's uh, who uh, got claimed on waivers and who didn't. Okay. Um, if those guys that get claimed, they're, they're gone. Um, got to watch there, I would think. Uh, Montrell Washington would be a guy to watch because there was a lot of interest in him as a returner last year when he came out. That's why the Broncos drafted him number five. And he's got a full season of experience. You know, he struggled, but all rookie returners struggle. Um, And he he looked much better in camp in the preseason this year. So uh, he's a possibility of of getting uh, claimed. And Danucci, you know, the number three quarterback, everybody's looking for an upgrade at their backup quarterback. I would think Danucci, there's going to be a lot of film on him, and I think it's good film. Um, But uh, you find out at 10 o'clock who gets claimed, who doesn't. And uh, if they don't get claims, then a bunch of these young guys, especially, are going to revert to the uh, Broncos practice squad. There's quite a few guys that they said, uh, you know, when they when they cut them, they said, "Don't go anywhere." You, you know, they kept their locker plate and mm. name plate, and um, you know, the, you uh, you find out here a uh, little after ten uh, whether they're coming back on the practice squad or not.
1: Mike, about an hour ago, you you sent out a tweet: Broncos undrafted twenty twenty three rookie guaranteed money upon signing. Um, what oh. struck me was Tom Thomas uh, Incum, right outside linebacker yeah. for the Broncos, made the team two hundred k. Why does he get two hundred k? But like a guy like Julio McLaughlin, now at the bottom of your list, running back, and you know he's been a camp darling, wowing people. He has fifty five k. So could you just kind of tell the listeners like why? <laughs> That why yeah,
2: that is? It's it's a recruiting uh, process after the draft, you know, and so there's a lot of these guys are considered uh, premium um, college free agents, and there's a they, it gets to be a bidding war, and income must have had, from what I understand, income had uh, more than ten teams interested in them, and so the the price goes up. You know, they gave him of that two hundred thousand. 20 was in a signing bonus, so you get that up front. And then they, um, one of the tricks is to uh, guarantee the salary, like they guaranteed his salary, $180. Well, the practice squad salary this year, I think, is uh, close to $200. So, uh, you know, over 17 weeks. So, really, you're just kind of guaranteeing the practice squad salary. Um, one thing to keep in mind about the Broncos versus the Rams the other night, the Rams don't guarantee any practice, any salary when they sign these undrafted guys, they offer signing bonus, but they don't guarantee the uh, P five, the salary part. And that's where, you know, the Broncos guaranteed one eighty to income. If the Rams wanted them, they didn't, they wouldn't have guaranteed any of it. So if you're income, who are you going to go to? So there was, you know, basically that tells you that, uh, You know, there's a a greater uh, need for outside linebacker skill and talent than there is for running back talent. And uh, McLaughlin, you know, got a nice deal from the Broncos, but, uh, you know, it's been discussed ad nauseum here the last uh, month or so. Um, People just don't value running backs the way they value pass rushers. And so Inkoom uh, had, had a, quite the bidding war, and that's why he got the money he did. Mike, Sean Payton's been at the helm here for about
0: six months now. Um, talk a little bit about the job you think he's done. First of all, setting a new culture, and secondly, assembling this team. I know it's not you know fleshed out completely right now, but we're on the doorstep of the 2023 season. Talk about the job Sean Payton's done thus far in your mind.
2: Yeah, I think he's got these guys playing with a little bit of fear, uh, playing with a little bit of edge. Uh, they come to work every day. You better work every day, or Sean Payton is uh, going to let you know that you didn't. So I think he's got that. He's brought a little of that element to the to the Broncos. But there's a story out there today. Uh, ESPN wrote it. They wrote it on uh, on Dion and how he changed up the uh, how he changed up the roster, like. Uh, it was unprecedented how many changes he made, and uh, Dion went off on uh, he 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 doesn't like the word culture. He doesn't know what culture <laughs> means. And then he said, uh, "It's not about unity. It's about uh, it's about talent. You got to have good players." He said, "I played on some teams where the quarterback and the receiver didn't like each other, but uh, when it when the ball was snapped, they were together." So. Uh, You know, the culture that Sean Payton has, uh, you know, created or environment or atmosphere, whatever word you want to use there, I think is better. It remains to be seen about the team, the roster that he's assembled. Um, You know, will it match up against the Chiefs? Uh, Maybe one time this year. That would be nice. But otherwise, it's a big question mark.
1: Mike, when you look back at the whole thing, right, this thing's, Basically to an end. Now the football games count. Right? Sean Payton's whole off season saga. What were the highs if there were a bunch of highs and, and were there any lows in your opinion? On the what? Highs and lows on uh just Sean Payton, right? First off season, assembling a team. You gotta go win football games now. You just assembled your fifty three man roster, final yeah. cuts. Uh for you, any highlights this off season? Any low points?
2: Well, I thought the you know the fourth series against Arizona on offense was was uh, was a highlight. I thought um, you know when he sent them back out there after they uh, struggled those first three series, and it got uh, it got a little confidence boost, and I and and it kind of carried over the next couple of weeks in training camp offensively for this team. you know, I thought Jaleel McLaughlin, we've all talked about him. Uh, he definitely flashed, uh, had a marvelous game against the 49ers. As, as you know, the, he wasn't hidden anymore. The secret was out. And so they put him on the team. Um, you know, uh, maybe some of the um, disappointments, you know, that offensive line and pass protection, I still, that, that's still a concern. Uh, I think going into the Raiders, uh, you know, they haven't blocked Mason Crosby very well the last uh, two or three years. And let's see what they do in the opener. The, uh, they, it looks like they're going to run block well, that offensive front, but pass protection looks like a question mark. And so we'll see how much that uh, affects Sean Payton's gang plan uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season.
0: All right, good stuff, Mike. So you're saying five minutes from now we're going to have a lot of information about um,
2: waiver claims and things like that? Yeah, I'm not sure how. Uh, it might be like 15 minutes after, but but the uh, all the waiver claims, you know, it's cut off. The wire is cut off at 10 a.m. Okay. our time. And then they put out who got claimed, and um, that'll come out maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 and so, yeah, while you guys are on the air, you'll know who got claimed. And then the Broncos, at that point, will start um, signing guys uh, back to their practice squad, their 16-player uh, practice squad.
0: Okay, good stuff. We'll be watching your Twitter, Mike. Make sure you inform All right, us. Mike. All right. Thanks, Mike. Right. Thank you, thank you, Mike. There he goes, Mike Cliss of 9 News, joining us on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right, you heard him. 10 a.m., 4 minutes and 20 seconds from now. The waiver wire closes, and things are going to gonna start to get fleshed out. So a lot to react to on the other side. Also, question for you guys. What's bigger, the Broncos' new Jumbotron or Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore took 14 years to build the Jumbotron, about four months. Which one's bigger? That's next.